March 18, 2002. It's the Watt from Pedro Show.
Black Flag live in 1985. 85. Thank you, Kara. Uh, Wild Kingdom Radio live at the Love Grotto on Pleasure Point in Pedro. March 18th. 
2002. Uh, Brother Matt alongside here. Hello. On the essential assistance. My special in the Love Grotto guest is Miss Kira. Hello. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. And uh, do you remember recording that? Yes, well, it was a live Portland. show in Portland, Oregon, on the four month tour, the end of a, towards the end of a four month tour. <laughs> I had an arm the size of Popeye that day because I had been bitten by a hornet, stung by a hornet twice. So pretty cool. I had the Popeye effect on one arm. Oh no! <laughs> I was asleep in the van, you know. It but it bit me once. It stung me once. I thought, you know, it's a bee. It's dead, right? Can't sting me again. I go back to sleep. It gets me again. I'm like, ah, you die, die, die. Yeah, I don't think they lose their sting. No, it was it was bad. Hornets make bees seem very lightweight. I'll just have you know, <laughs> if you ever have a chance. They're the black ones, you know. Not they don't have the yellow. Effect. Well. I was attacked by ones with yellow. I was a meter man in Long Beach. And I uh, was coming on the afternoon where you're kind of sleepy. And some of the meters, the older ones, are in boxes on the back of the house with a little door up against the wall. So you have to go in the yards. You can't use your little telescope, you know. If, if it, everything is right, from one corner of one yard, you can get four reads. With your telescope? Yeah. But in this case, I had to go up to the box, and when I opened the door, the whole, there was a huge paper, uh, paper nest, hornets there. Maybe they were wasps. Wasps have a little yellow in some way. I don't know. Yeah. These guys uh, all were afraid, too, and they all just went right on my face. Oh, <laughs> And we had a little stick with a tennis ball on the end. For dogs. <laughs> well, yeah, right. It's mainly Dalton Gates with but the best thing I found against dogs is trash cans. <laughs> anyway, I just started beating my face and they freaked out and I didn't get stung. And I beat on the nest and that's the only time I ever used mace was on that nest. Never maced a dog. It was intense. It was a heart attack. Mm. Definitely. Um, I'm a little worn out today. I had a lot this weekend with the, those gigs at UCLA. Yeah, it was that. Yeah. Last night was really scary for me. My leg kept shaking. I was really afraid. I think it's playing in front of your friends or want to do good. And The other gig was with the Stooges. Guitar and drums, Ron and Scotty Ashton, <laughs> which was pretty wild, and Jay Maskus. We had different people come up and sing. Thurston and Kim, Josh from the Queens, Stone Age, Ed Vedder. You didn't get to go, did you? No, I wanted to go. That sounds like a great show. It's intense. It's like how Indians live. Intense. <laughs> <laughs> Well, on teepees, really. That's how you go camping. <laughs> this sounds like an inside joke to me. It's not. A, it's a play on words. <laughs> See, you have to get it. Okay. 
It's kind of inside for all English speaking people. Ooh, I think I just got burned. Jeez, and I'm your guest. Special. I thought I was like the special guest and everything. And I'm started off singed. Sorry, Kevin. Okay. Lo um, We started with John Coltrane live in Stockholm, 19... 1963, October 22. I want to talk about you. Uh, well, we'll talk about more stuff, but... You, you brought some records. What's this? I did. I brought this uh, project I recorded in August with some friends of mine, and the record's called, and the band's called, Approximation. And uh, it's just a project with some friends, sort of a sort of a rock band. I got to do some hard rock for a change, which I don't usually get to do. And I, lied, I hooked you up with a song called Birthday Beat. Okay.
sick Like the blood being sucked by a Turk Bleed me dry You're an unswattable fly You make me puke Pretend you're my friend and you shoot up like a rocket Made of wax, I know the best revenge Is happiness and some success
Yo te hablaré de un amor del que tengo guardado de la otra parte de mí de lo que ha quedado Hay amor si nos llegamos a amar el cielo combinará su color con mi alegría si nos llegamos a amar yo no sé cuánto no sé qué día sé que habrá un beso gigante y que el abrazo Será delirante a llamar Y mientras tanto dime qué hacer con la melancolía Puedo fingir para ocultar mi angustia Pero mis ojos me delatarían Amar, no necesito una promesa tuya Quiero amanecer cubriéndote de amor sin preguntar qué fue lo que pasó Si nos llegamos a amar la noche Murmurará una canción de bienvenida Si nos llegamos a amar un día. From Pedro Show. Some Albita, Cubana lady, singer. Uh, something Kira po uh, brought. She's got a lot of Albita records, right, Kay? Yeah, I do. That one was called Si Nos Llegamos a Mar. And why'd you pick that one? Oh, just one of my new favorites of hers. I, I've been listening to her for years now, and that's just a current favorite. Just happens to be. Uh,. Before that was Abby Travis, her new CD, a song called Monster. Yeah, she gave that to me. I guess it's her latest solo endeavor, and I appreciated having it. And thought I'd check it out and see what you guys think. Yeah. Reminded me of your brother on the piano. <laughs> little little piano and, and almost a, sort of the Madonna-like vocal style. Celebrity a little, skin. A little bit. <laughs> Very interesting song. Got a yeah, kick out of that great. one brother just had a baby well his wife uh and we started with uh 
Something Cure recorded with Approximation and Birthday Beat. When's right, a song called out? Birthday Beat. Yeah, that's 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 being pressed even as we speak. These are test pressings, and it'll be out in the yeah, next month. Yeah, it's vinyl. Yeah, there's probably some CDs too, huh? No, <laughs> no, we've got ourselves a music purist on our hands. He thinks he's going to oh. release. Uh, trying to convince him for CDs, but right now it's LPs. That's okay. True, true to form, he's being true. True to the LP form. I couldn't get a vinyl version of my opera. Yeah, a lot of it, it's hard to do that nowadays. Yeah, well, people <coughs> don't buy it. Unless you do it yourself, which is neat. Yeah, that's what he's doing, is basically pressing him himself, paid for the recordings himself. Just no gigs? His own project. No, I, I, he's been trying to convince me to do gigs, and I've been sort of not wanting to commit, because they really want to have a real band, and I, you know, I'm not ready to commit to anything long-term for them. So yeah. I'm hoping they find someone to you know, join their band. Um, when you were a teenager, uh, you went to high school with Darby Crash. Actually, my older brother, Paul, was in the same grade as he was, and I was a few younger. years behind. Yeah. Um, and by the time I got to high school, he was out. But we knew him well. We spent a lot of time with him. Uh, Paul Beam was what we called him at the time. <laughs> and it was my brother Paul and Paul Beam and, and Pat Ruthenberg. Yeah, George. Yeah, George. Um, Uni. Yeah, uni high. Nels went uh, there too. Before a special that. kind of program, a school within a school called IPS, Innovative Program School. A little bit of you know TM Dianetics kind of uh, influence, touchy feely kind of school. <laughs> yeah, it was some of the yes, yeah, some of the teachers had been through either TM or Scientology and were sort of taking some of the concepts and it was kind of you know it was sort of the best concepts that they had to offer. Plus, there was real school stuff going on and. You know, it was kind of, it was an interesting little experiment. But yeah, Paul Beam went there and had a sort of a little following uh, that would follow him around the campus, as I understand it. And, uh, you know, dress up glittery. It was, you know, before the punk rock thing, it was glitter, Bowie glitter days, you know, Ziggy Stardust era, to put it in a time frame. Uh-huh. That kind of look. And that's how uh, Darby Crash used to look, you know, glitter on his eyes, long hair, I swear. Cape. Cape? Can you, can you put a cape on him? Come on, you can put a cape on him. <laughs> Lots of LSD, you know, those, there, was a, there was a summer of LSD in there, you know. That was, that was the drug of choice at the time. Uh, that was back when you could get, you know, LSD that wasn't all horrible. Full of I think speed. that's where the cape came from. <laughs> but, well, I think there was a tribute to you know David Bowie and Ziggy Stardust actually, but but you know we can't ask him. Like what years were those? Um, let's see. It would be seventy five, seventy four, seventy five. In there is when I, I, was I at first high. met him. I was in so junior was high. My age. Yeah, I was in junior high. Um. The gig last night, I got some uh, live germs from the last show. Great. From Dean, Dean the Prancing Machine, and so. Is it the Stardust think, show? Yeah, it made me think of Darby. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, we miss him. He went through a lot of different changes and stuff. And it's, these, this probably is not the best of his days. No, if it, not if it's I the last right gig. I, my favorite germs was when they just got done with the album. 
Yeah. Seemed like they were playing the best. Yeah. yeah. The shows were the best. He was in good shape. Well, they had taken the record really seriously. They got Joan had produced it, and they had really sort of seemed to be taking Practice. it a little seriously right then. Yeah, there were some good gigs right around there. I always, whenever I think of them, I think of them playing at the Hong Kong Cafe. Yeah, it was too. like that was they were like the house band at the, at the they Hong Kong Cafe. Had some great, great shows. There. Yeah, it was the right place for them somehow. Uh, but you know, I spent a lot of time at the side of the stage just trying to make sure Pat was plugged in and try to keep Darby from sticking too many pills in his mouth that people were handing him. You know, it's kind of scary, scary times sometimes. Yeah. Um, what do you think of his words? I, I actually think that he is about the closest thing to a genius as anyone I've ever met. What if I read his words back when I was in junior high. He used to write a lot, and it, he just seemed to have... Something that I haven't seen in a lot of writers. Paul has a collection of them. Yeah. Astro Boy. That's these old, and, exactly, these writings. Who typed those? I don't know who typed them. I mean, it was all handwritten right. when I had seen it. So right. I, so somebody put those someone together. Someone must have put them together. From him. And what, he, he came to Paul? Yes. Well, Paul and he were good friends, and I think, Paul was um, at one point sort of trying to hang on to some stuff for him because he was moving around and was doing heroin and was sort of out of control. And I think Paul was trying so said, to, let me, you know, get a hold of all the lyrics. Right, right. But I thought he was a pretty amazing songwriter. Yeah, so do I. So did I. And uh, Pat. I mean, some of the music is pretty interesting I, too. I really didn't know what was he was saying. It was hard at yeah. the gigs. And then when the album had the words on the back, was, or on the sleeve, and uh, it was, uh, God, it was intense because <laughs> I didn't imagine him saying any of that. Yeah, hardly. well, and have you heard the cruising sessions, the ones they recorded for that movie, Cruising? They only used, ended up using one song, but I think it's some of their best recorded Lion material, Share, Lions, some of the best songs. Now I Hear the Laughter, and some of that. Some of that good old stuff. Yeah, too. but, you know, me and Jay did a song for a Germs tribute. We did what we do a secret. And even in that one being a tiny little song, it's really uh, intense stuff. Yeah. You know, Nicole, who was a manager of the Germs. Yeah, Nicole Panther. Yeah, yeah she was talking about him and uh, that he lifted a lot of stuff out of books and stuff and. Uh, I'm sorry, but he used to sit in his room and write. I've seen him sit and write. You know, yeah, I, I, I know. just I, I, I find it's, it hard. It's to weird believe. though about how after somebody leaves like that, that yeah, then everyone uh, gets to tell right. the version. Well, and maybe in later days that was really true that he was really high and was just doing things that. But it certainly wasn't how he came to be a songwriter. I mean, we've all used how things that inspired us, you know, and I, that may be true, but I don't believe, I really can't, sorry. Sorry, Nicole, can't yeah. buy it. Don't buy it. You hate everybody a little bit, don't you? Somebody told me there's going to be a Darby book. There was going to be a Darby movie, but... Uh, <laughs> was it somebody talking to Helen? Yeah, I've, I've heard some stories about that. I, I have to believe, though, that it's actually a small, pretty small audience when you think about it, you know? I mean... It was L.A. He was pretty well known, but you start to look at the big picture, and not that many people knew 
you know, or would buy a book. I'm not so sure there's a market, do you think? Well. I don't know. But I haven't seen any books actually I would get it. Come out. I would so would just I. Just for the hell of it, you know. So would I. It's, like I say, it's strange when a person can't speak for themselves. And yep. Yeah, that means the Kurt Cobain book is shortly to follow. I heard, uh, well, there's been a few of them already, yeah. I think. But uh, I think Courtney's putting diaries out yeah. that he wrote. Yeah. So I guess at least he'll be in his words, but I wonder if he ever wanted anybody yeah, to Yeah, right. <laughs> or anybody to make any money yeah, off it. Maybe she'll, maybe she'll donate Hopefully to a good little, cause or, or something. Girl. Yeah, or maybe it'll help support his daughter. We'll, we'll hope good things for that project. Yeah. So, okay, here's some germs from their last gig. What from Pedro Show? Thank you. 
creature has risen. I think you can see somewhere around us. We are the church. We are good. We've got your fucking millions. God knows we should.
Some blue oyster cold on the Watt from Pedro show. Woohoo! That was Them a old band days. I saw a lot as a boy. In fact, that's the version I remember. The one on Tyranny Mutation is so much more mellow and different. But this happens to be on the new re release of Tyranny Mutation. They have some bonus tracks. And this is a. Uh, OD'd on Life Itself, live July 4th, 1974, Portland, Oregon. Portland, Oregon again. Ten years before you, Kay. Yep. And before that, we had uh, No God and Lion's Share from the Last Germs gig, September, uh, December 3rd, 1980. Um, intense versions yeah, songs, huh? live was always intense with the germs. It's actually always pretty different it was than the Bobby records. Pin only a little bit, huh? Yeah, it was really uh, that, that one. They did a, that first single, the forming single, but uh, now, very was early. Single, where was that recorded? Was, that was live, wasn't it? Well, yeah. I guess there was one side was the like practice. the garage. Yeah, <laughs> there's some gig. The They're being chased song. at the end. You hear like things crashing over. It's pretty funny. Uh, it's a pretty funny single, but yeah, he, I think he decided because everybody was starting to get the fake names and stuff, and he decided that Bobby, I mean, Bobby Pin was so obviously a fake name. I think he actually wanted to get something a little more, less obvious, if uh, you will. You know, it's like safety pin, but you know, it was a little too close. You know, like I was Candy Cane. You know, these these were just a little close. Was Paul? He was Dog Skinner. Yeah. But you know, I, I think he, that was. He played drums first for for Wax. Controllers. Wax. Wax. That was our first band, my first band ever, my first gig ever. Paul, see, Paul in the punk rock scene, he thought keyboards, there's like no way, right? Right, You can't play keyboards and be punk rock, so he becomes a drummer. And he was in Wax, and then he was in uh, Controllers uh, for a little while, but he was also in Nervous Gender, which was actually a really interesting group, which he did for a while. He did all sorts of percussion stuff. Yeah, he he went off of the drums. Right, he started doing percussion, like dropping coins on chairs with uh, with pickups Frank's on band. them, and yeah, he really did some experimental percussion. Gerard, well, it wasn't really Frank. She was yeah. in it, but uh, no, it was these those two guys, Gerard, Gerardo, Gerardo. Right, right, and they had this little nine year old kid who played drums <laughs> part of the time, but he couldn't I'm always make the gigs. I think so. You know, Paul was like helping to fill in the gaps. Right. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, this cat great was, band. The Nervous Gender was cool. back to Sweden. Oh, they were a cool a band, scene. though. The oh, they gender. were. They were yeah. very unusual. No guitar. Yeah. Well, Frank played guitar. Right, but they had neat the songs. And just but it a wasn't neat like style. a guitar-driven band. It was very right. strange. Yeah, Screamers. Paul right. went on to play. Right. Then we figured there out there was one band he could Paul, play keyboards right? in. Some guy quit, and then Paul. Right. Right. Exactly. Comes in and plays a Fender Rhodes through a fuzz tone or something. Electric piano through through a, yeah, like the, a, a with a, through like a distortion box, and he like starts trying to sound like Jimi Hendrix on the keyboards. It was pretty fun. It was yeah. a pretty fun time. It was. Yeah. It was intense. Screaming. I, I've played screaming. some. Like I was telling you, while the music was playing, uh, there's this album now of demos they did right and it's pretty neat i didn't know that was out yeah somebody's kicking on mics or something on you maybe me maybe okay. me. i'll be more this careful this is a lot from pedro show not the most professional thing <laughs> going but but since we're talking about lac let's just throw you know avengers out who are my favorite band they came from san francisco but another great punk back band from the old days weirdos you know there were some good I think ones jimmy's living in la now yeah i heard that 
I heard that Penelope's been down here for a while. She's sort of do, doing her solo thing and uh, weirdos. They're still around. Saw Cliff at the punk rock reunion. He played in the uh, Skulls. Yeah, I guess. Speaking of the Skulls, yeah. Mark Marlin just died. Oh yeah, I saw that on he played CNN. Played in Wall, Wall of Voodoo too. Very sad. I think liver or something. Cancer. I think. I don't know. Some. Yeah, I saw that on died CNN. Died way too young. And, uh, well, we're coming on the end of the first hour watt from Pedro's show. We'll talk some more, Carol. Okay. Brother Matt, what? That was good. Two, two minutes. Two oh, I thought she meant two, two seconds. seconds. Well, two minutes. Two so we seconds. can spiel a little more. Sorry about that. <laughs> Sorry. False alarm. Right, well, what, were you, what are your favorite Peace. bands? Favorite L.A. bands, anybody? <laughs> yeah, it sounds like somebody's kicking. I keep hearing noise over I'm the being air. really careful now. Must be you, Mike. It must be me. <laughs> the rest of us are being careful. Yeah. But yeah, there were some good old bands back in the days. Miss Miss Hitting on Miss the Eyes. Yeah, they were fun. The Disneyland song. Right, Charlotte. Fun band. Fun oh, band. Charlotte had the Rickenbacker. Right? That's that was my inspiration for having a blue Rickenbacker. Absolutely, she had a pretty bass, and she then she turned traitor and. And play guitar. playing guitar. The go-go's. So like Juliana Hatfield, another traitor bass player, right. gone guitar. guitar. I actually went to her solo gig and yelled traitor at her. But, you know, all in good fun. No, no, nothing, nothing really yeah, negative. Guy, but, you know, bass too. is bass. You know, I think it's better. So I give people a hard time. I know a lot of guys that play bass in people's bands or in a band. And then when they get their solo shot, they... Switch to guitar. <laughs> right. Whereas when me and Mike decided to go solo, we just made a two-bass band and just said, right. no drums, no guitar. Well, then we can be the stars. Yeah. In fact, what are we doing now? Are we getting ready for another record? Yep. We've been working record. on some new songs. And you say we have too many? Well, we got enough that I think that there won't be any problem, you know, if one or two drops off the radar due to, you know, whatever... Uh, dysfunction might be occurring in the construction of the complexities thing yeah yeah um i gotta go on tour april 15 but uh you come back in the summer hopefully we get done yeah well i'll be working while you're gone yeah okay now it's the end of the first hour of the watt from pedro show march 18 2002 march 18 2002 it's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro show.
like places that carries weight And the spaces a little senile When you're trying to be so quiet We sit here stranded Though we all do our best to deny it And Louise holds a handful of rain Tempting you to defy it Lights flicker from the opposite love in this room, the heat pipes just come. The country music station plays soft, but there's nothing, really nothing to turn off. Just Louise and her lover so entwined. And these visions of Johanna that conquer my mind In the empty lot where the ladies play Blind men's bluff with the keychain And the all-night girls They whisper of escapades Out on the D-train We can hear the night watchman Click his flashlight Ask himself if it's him or them Who should be insane But Louise She's alright She's just near She's delicate She seems like the mirror but she just makes it all too concise and too clear That Johanna's not here The ghost of electricity Howls in the bones of her face Where these visions of Johanna have now taken my place Little boy lost He takes himself so seriously He brags of his misery he likes to live dangerously And when bringing her name up He speaks 
makes of her farewell kiss to me He sure got a lot of gall To be so useless and all Muttering small talk at the wall While I'm in the hall Oh, how can I explain It's so hard to get on And these visions of Johanna They've kept me up past the dawn Inside the museums Infinity is going up on trial Voices echo This is what Salvation must be like After a while But Mona Lisa Must have had the highway blues You can tell by the way she smiles the primitive wallflower freeze when the jelly-faced women all sneeze hear the one with the mustache say jeez I can't find my knees jewels and binoculars hang from the head of the mule But these visions of Johanna They make it all seem so cruel The peddler now speaks To the countess who's pretending to care for him Name me somebody that's not a parasite And I'll go out and say a prayer for him But like Louise always says You can't look at much, can you, many She herself prepares for him And Madonna, she still has not showed We see this empty cage now corrode Where her cape of the stage once had flowed The fiddler, he now steps to the road He writes everything's been returned which was old On the back of the fish truck that loads While my conscience explodes The harmonica's play The skeleton keys and the ring And these visions of Johanna Are now
Hi, that was Bob Dylan live with uh, Visions of Johanna. And we had Celebrity Skin before that with Celebrity. That's the band that Don did. Right, with Greg. With, uh, with uh, Greg and... With Greg and... Uh, what's the other guy's name? Darn. Bad memory. Can't, and it's not even... I can't even say it's due to drugs. Gary. Gary Jacoby. Yeah. Remember? He drummer. He played in uh, Twisted Roots and Sex Sick for a while. That's right. He was... Uh, and he was in Celebrity Skin. And se- Tim was the other guy in Celebrity Skin. Sex Sick was your band with Michelle Bell. Right. I, my attempt at having an all-girl band, which did have a girl drummer for a while, but Gary eventually uh, sat in and was the official boy of the girl band. Um, yeah, I saw you guys play at the whiskey with him. Yeah, yeah, I've got a tape of that show. And uh, you guys never got to record? No, we never got to record. We didn't even do very many shows, maybe a handful, maybe five or ten total. Lots of practicing. <laughs> I think we just, a lot of it was we just liked to, we liked the concept more than the reality of what it takes to be in a band. It's not easy, as you well know, Mike. Yeah. It can be tough. It can be tough to keep a band together. And, uh, yeah, those were Hollywood people. Well, you know, the girl, you know how girls are. I mean, I hate to say it, but one thing about being in a band with girls is guys, you know, if they say they're going to be a band, they'll, like, get up for practice and stuff. Girls, it's like, yeah, I don't feel like it. I don't feel up to practice. It was, like, harder to get those girls just to be motivated to do it. Than, than a guy, you know. So I sort of decided that playing with girls, you know, was philosophically okay, but that the reality of it was kind of tough because the work ethic aspect didn't seem to come naturally to girls. It's like it's kind of like I was talking to a friend of mine. It's like guys always have hobbies, you know, but a lot of women t- don't. They have a tendency to sort of wrap their lives around the, their relationships, the people in their lives, their families, or whatever, and they don't tend to have their own hobbies and. I think that's part of why girls and bands uh, is a is a challenge all on its own. I gotta say though, the um, when I started going to punk shows in Hollywood, it's the first time I really saw girls in bands. Period. The Arena Quattro. Rock. She was the only one of the Arena Rock bands that played in a band. Didn't play tambourine. It's true. There were girl singers, you know, but there weren't any girl players, really. And then in Hollywood, like you said, we got, I can't go to the mask, and there's all these bands with girl bass players especially. You know, you got the Dogs, girl bass player. You got the Bags, girl bass player. The Alley Cats, girl bass player. It was awesome. Yeah, you know, the, the lady in the Bags used to make you angry because well, she, she wouldn't cut her fingernails. No, now, what was that my- you told me about? Because you didn't want girls to look bad or... Well, there, no, just there was two kind of girls, really. There was the ones, you know, who would cut their fingernails. And there were the ones who, you know, the white face makeup who, you know, the nails were more important than the playing, really. And, and Pat sort of fit into that category, you know. She, she wasn't really trying to be a, a bass player. And I, I sort of put it in the sort of girly girl versus tomboy girl kind of kind of thing. And she was a, a girly girl, you know, which there's nothing wrong with it. It just wasn't me. I was a tomboy, you know, and I... I always thought when if you're going to be a girl and you're going to be in bands, man, you should be good. And you should, shouldn't be like, well, you're good for a girl. <laughs> you know, that's kind of weak. It should be like, you're good. 
So I always thought that for a girl in a band, you had to be even better in a way because stupid stuff like tuning your guitar and the electronics and stuff, if you were struggling with that, you'd look like a real idiot, you know? Those guys don't have trouble making sure they have power on their amps and they can get oh, yeah, they do. the ground lift or whatever. I mean, these things just don't come as naturally to women, so they have to prepare to, you know, not come off like girly girls. You know, I guess if you've got a band full of them like the Go-Go's, it's okay, but... Yeah. They were late. Partridge family was just raised. as another (laughs) analogy to that. Matt, would you like to explain? (laughs) I I don't remember. Did the the Partridge family... That that girly girl mode? Well, the the boys did. (laughs) What about Runaways? Not, Joan yeah, there's, Jett. There's, well, there's an example of, you know, they were trying to be a real band. They didn't want to be girly girls, you know. I don't think any of them were really trying to go for the girly girl thing. <clears throat> I don't think any of them were trying to go for the girly girl thing. Yeah, and they were really early on the scene. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, actually sort of before The Mask was even happening. That They would play the Starwood and stuff. Whiskey. I saw them. I uh, saw them at the whiskey. saw them with Pat and Michelle. Joan and ended up producing the Germs record. Yeah, and Joan used to come to sexic practices. She was she was pretty interested in women playing and, you know, supportive of the whole idea. You know, she'd sometimes bring her guitar down and and jam and she yeah, she produced uh, the Lexicon Devil single with Nikki Beat. I oh, thought no, that no, was Gaza. No, you're right. Gaza produced that one in the she record. She did the album. album. The full album was Joan. Um What's time now for Brother Matt? Well, that's some big noise. <laughs> And a spin cycle. Take it, Brother Matt. Take it, Brother Matt.
Brother Matt. Whoa, another good installment job. of the spin cycle. Woo! That was good. March eighteenth version. Did you wear green yesterday? You know a lot of people at the gig did not have green on. I did not have green. Tom Watson tried to tell me something. He's got people that are orange men. No, St. <laughs> Patrick died in like four seventy or something, four seventy two or six. Anyway, it was too what, 11, 1,200 years before that whole Irish Catholic Protestant deal. So Revolt. You can wear green. Yeah. You know, uh, they call it the Troubles. Right. Was it really a revolt? The English put Protestant people in the north. Those are what orange men are. Right. But they've been there hundreds of years the now, and so they're place. Irish too. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying there's an easy solution to that situation, but... The point being is you can still be in a St. Patrick's Day and be Catholic or Protestant. That's right. In fact, he brings the Christian stuff to Ireland. He started the mess. Well, I was wearing my green yesterday. Yeah, I wore green too. He did a trippy thing. He mixed in pagan stuff. You ever see this cross with the circle they call it the Celtic cross? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's a sun god. <laughs> he, that's how yeah. he sold it. Because mm-hmm. that's some of the oldest Europe Christian stuff in there. In fact, there's some myths about, uh, I was into reading about Arthur Grail stuff, and uh, Joseph Arathamaya was supposed to go there around, you know, Magdalene time, right after Christ. Well, whatever. 
Strange connections. It's sometimes it's so trippy to play with old culture, at least bathe in the symbols. Uh, speaking of old, Kay, yeah. tell us about uh, the mask. What was the mask in Hollywood in the old days? Of sure, sure. Well, the mask was this whole underneath. It was actually underneath the Pussycat Theater on Hollywood Boulevard. And it was Cherokee. on by Cherokee and Hollywood Boulevard. And uh, you got in there sort of off the alley down these horrible cement stairs. And it was just really a big cement room with a lot of little rooms and stuff. And what we ended up doing was a sort of a club. But much of it was about having it was a practice pad because there were all these rooms. And then there was uh, little rooms where we could stash the equipment. And there was a little office where he would book shows. Brandon, Brandon Mullen, who ran the place, would book shows yeah, and stuff. Well, what happened pad? was, yeah, um, I wanted – to pre- my, my band to be able to practice there and we of course couldn't afford to pay for practice time so I would work there in the afternoons I'd go there in the afternoons after school and I would let the bands in and out you know I'd have the keys and be the access and my job was just to be there make sure nobody took off with any equipment and you know let them in and out and make sure they leave at the right time and and stuff and we got free practice time out of it so I sort of worked there for a while uh, just trying to get my band going you were just teenager huh High school, I was 17, 17. 16, 16, 17. What was it like to be a punk rocker in high school? See? Well, Hollywood High had two, me and this one other girl. Van Nuys High, in 11th grade, I was the only one. Um, it's yeah, funny because people thought it was hip. That because you graduated in 76 and never had, and I always wondered about what yeah. the hell that must have been. It was. Because yeah. it was so small and so. People, people hated hated it. hated it. Hated the way I dressed. They, you know, at Van Nuys High, I used to get beat up a lot. At Hollywood High, not so much because really a strong proportion was Armenian. It wasn't yeah, sort right. of you know hip kids who thought punk was bad. It was people. You know, it was pretty much leave alone. <laughs> you leave me alone, I leave you alone. Well, it was a, it was a more relaxed. Um, and I met Maggie at Hollywood High. I was sort of a hippie there who ended up being a singer for Twisted Roots. She and right. I were in twelfth oh, okay. grade at Hollywood High together. But it was kind of weird, you know. You'd go, I'd go to high school and then be a punk, you know, dress basically just dress punk. But I was a pretty serious student, you know. You go do my school thing, and then after school, go to the mask and be well, a punker. Even, and at night, the, the gigs, you know. Even later, with Black Flag, uh, you were going to UCLA. You got a degree there. You went you'd like. Yeah, I was. Off a tour. Yeah, I was. I was already three years into my degree at UCLA when I joined Black Flag. So in a way, I was lucky. I was so far into it, there was really no option. I couldn't quit. You know, I had one year left. So we sort of worked it out where we said, you know, I w- we would sort of work around my schedule. I would take quarters off to tour, but that you know, when I was in town, we'd have to work it out so I could get a few quor- more quarters in and get four more quarters in and and finish up school. I was studying applied math and economics and computers well what a change from the hollywood scene with all the girls in the bands and stuff to the scene black flag was in when there's hardly any girls in any of the bands in hardcore yeah it was weird i never i guess you know of course being a girl and being sort of the hollywood uh, punker i didn't really realize how out of it I was going to be and how sort of isolated it was going to feel but it did very early started to feel a little bit like women were sort of looked down upon and what the hell was I doing there because I was you know I felt sometimes like I was looked down upon just because I was you know one of them so it was sort of a feeling of of uh you know insecurity inadequacy but you know uh 
in the band itself when you're practicing and stuff it's just like any other band but it's more when you're playing a gig or you're you know you're out dealing with the social aspects you get uh it's much you get, different than the hollywood well stuff. yes you get a lot i actually got a lot of guys who wanted physically physical confrontations you know would push me up against the bar want to shake my hand so hard that it hurt you know would want to sort of let me know that I was, you know, that I was physically not up to it. It was almost like these, like, physical one-on-one confrontations with men a lot of times to sort of let oh, me know. Kind I was. boys. Well, it felt like men to me. That I wasn't was so big. I wasn't too, so wasn't I mean, you were young in Hollywood and stuff, but a lot of those punk rockers were old, not old guys, but. Sort of like two generations in yeah. a way. There were the sort of adults, and then there but was hardcore, all the runaway kids. Yeah, there was sort hardcore of, was much younger. Right. Well, the runaway kids in Hollywood were, were you know, young, there was yeah. that element. But like right. you say, in, in the South Litter Bay people. scene, it seemed like they were just all kids who lived at home, oh, basically, yeah, yeah. and just went to gigs, you know. But they didn't sort of live the punk rock lifestyle, if you will. I mean, it sounds stupid, but the, these kids who ran away, I mean, they stopped living with their right. parents. They lived on the street or at, the, at some sleazy pad with a bunch of other punkers and, you know, didn't function within society, didn't necessarily go to school or talk to their parents or right. do, you know. They a literally lot of people in the out. bands were older guys. Yeah. Like I said, not 60s or 70s, but... They sure weren't no, well, Brendan's a good example. I mean, yeah. he was one of the adults. He was running the shows. You know, you had people who were putting on the gigs or, or, or like you said, the bands, the weirdos were adults. Tomato, he was an Screamers were adults. The weirdos were adults. The, yeah. There was a whole continuum. Dickies were already grown up people, yeah. you know, there was, but there was sort Damn of wings. a combination. Yeah. Pretty old. <laughs> right. He's still around, I hear. <laughs> I heard he's got the jacket. I did ever tell you this before. He's got the jacket. That Iggy's wearing on the back of Raw Power. Kind of for drugs wow. or something. Well, I don't have a jacket that good, but I got the old John Denny Weirdos jacket still. Oh, yeah. A classic. Those guys were Cal Arts guys, right? At college or something. Yeah, yeah, the brothers. So there's a big John difference you move in between the scenes, but yeah. that's why I always admire you could do that. You didn't have to just be ossified in one thing. Well, the, yeah, the UCLA combination was really tricky because you go, you'd go there and you've got the sorority girls, you know, and then, you, you know, you don't fit it. You look like you're an absolute, you know, crawl out of the van from tour. They drop me off at UCLA, you know, with my books and I'd be like from tour, you know, looking like a total sleaze. And these sorority girls in their high heels and little dresses, you know, that's what I'm that's my scene at UCLA. It was weird, both from the standpoint of you know, socially and from the standpoint of trying to study, you know, applied math and calculus when most punkers weren't really necessarily trying to apply their brains to those kinds of problems they were applying them to other problems but i would like feel like my brain was scrambled i'd come back from tour and forget all the calculus and stuff it was such that was like the worst in terms of tours too yeah it was yeah it was really tough in terms of uh like feeling like i literally was living two lives at once you know i was split personality for real yeah, well, <laughs> you went through it. I did, and, and that, you know, I have to say, Black Flag—they were into touring. What about the Hollywood scene? Those cats never toured. No, I think only the Dills had a van. Yeah. 
Well, that's why they were my favorite band when I joined was because they were touring. They were like serious. It's like a, it's like I was saying. It's like these guys were amateurs compared to Black, Black Flag. Flag. They were professional. They had an office. They had you know phone lines and they had a label and they were for real. And compared well, to Hollywood had a bands, manager. well, but there wasn't that feeling of like this is actually what we're gonna do. Like like this is our vocation. There wasn't that sense with these bands. They were just sort of you know we'll be in a band because we'll be in a band. But you know that wasn't. And Never felt like that was truly a calling for them, but you know, the Black Flag was like serious. It was, it was like they they were in it for the uh, job, whereas the other guys were sort of more like a hobby. Oh, it always appeared to me like those uh, Hollywood bands thought they were going to be stars, though. In a way, maybe they, it was just the person. Well, it was just going to drop in their laps, though. They weren't going to have to do any work. But Black Flag sort of got that there might be some work involved, yeah. you know, like hard work. Right, and they built that whole club scene yeah. circuit that we all use today. Okay, we're coming at the end of the second hour of the Watt from Pedro show, March 18, 2002. March 18, 2002, it's the Watt from Pedro show with the fifth part of the fourth tower of Inverness. High upon a mountain, above the pines and mist that surrounds the Bay of Inverness, there stands an incredible mansion. Its three towers appear to pierce the sky. Its windows are like a thousand eyes turned inward. And its doors, hinged on time, open into endless space. Now we return to the thrilling adventure serial, The Fourth Tower of Inverness. Dawn awakens in the east. The sky glows with the light of the approaching sun. Dewdrops cling to the ferns and leaves and grass, and the mist rises slowly off the Bay of Inverness. Little Frida and Jack walk slowly, feeling the magic of early morning. There's a trust and closeness between them. Little Frida, having saved Jack from the cleaver of Meanie Eenie, or someone disguised as Meanie Eenie, and Jack, who grabbed little Frida from the jaws of an onrushing, fire-hissing dragon. It's amazing how tough the skin of a dewdrop is. For just being a little ball of water, it does pretty well. You know, I don't think we should alarm people with what happened last night. Okay. But I want to talk to Dr. Missoula about the dragon, since he's invented dragon flypaper. Do you think he'll be up and about at this hour? People around here are liable to be up at any hour. Oh, shoot. It's locked. All locks at Inverness are combination. You simply think it open. Oh, come on. No, they operate on alpha waves. The combination for this week is an orange. Think of its shape and color, its surface, its smell. Then slice it in half, now in quarters. And now, suck the juice. <laughs> ah, there. Hmm, amazing. What would happen if I thought of a pickle? Funny you should think of that. That was last week's combination. Anyway, I'll see you later, Jack Baby. Well, I guess Dr. Missoula is still asleep. Doesn't seem to be anybody around. What was that? 
There's someone moving behind those crates. Dr. Bazula? Nothing. I'm coming back there, and you better not club me on the head or anything. Maybe I should arm myself with something. Oh, this, this lead pipe ought to do just fine. I give up! I give up! Uh, don't hit me! Don't hit me! <laughs> oh, meanie eeny. Why were you hiding? Hide and seek. Me hide, you seek. Not likely. Right now you appear to be harmless enough, but what about in the East Tower last night? Meanie eeny, not in East Tower last night. Are you telling the truth? Could be. Have you ever ridden your five-speed Italian pedal master into that dragon's cave? Pedal master take meanie eeny many places to China, to Tibet, to the Gobi Desert, to Istanbul, to Kathmandu, to Baghdad, to Brazil, Brazil. I see it's not easy to get a straight answer from you. To your mind, I am mad. To my mind, you are all sane. So I pray to increase my madness and to increase your sanity. My madness is from the power of love. Your sanity is from the strength of unawareness. Shall we dance? Then, tomorrow, Your talk has a depth I never realized, Meanie Eeny. What can you tell me about the fourth tower of Inverness? We do not live in the east or west. We do not study in the north, nor do we teach in the south. We are not bound in this way, but we may be compelled to talk this way. What do you mean? Listen, a foolish man was raving at a donkey. It took no notice. A wiser man who was watching said, Idiot, the donkey will never learn your language. Better that you should observe silence and instead master the tongue of the donkey. Well, I... I don't know. I find talking to you a little difficult, but I... I guess you just answered my question. Anyway, you of all people must know about the fourth tower. What can you tell me about it? You, You must have heard something about it. You hear my words. Hear, too, that there are words other than mine. They are not meant for hearing with a physical ear. You are here to learn not to collect historical information. Ah, it's like talking to a wind-up doll. Good day, Brazil. <laughs> oh, boy. I don't know. Well, I'm going to bed. Oh, I haven't even had a chance to sleep yet. The sun's out, nice and, and bright. Oh, I'm so tired, I can, I can hardly take my shoes off. Oh, oh now to bed. Holy smoke. What are you doing in my bed? Mmm, I've been waiting for you. Look, I'm tired. Just beat it. 
That's not a pleasant way to treat an old friend. Old friend almost got me sliced into this morning's bacon up there, you know. Hmm? Well, what was the idea? Being chased by a half-crazed cretin with a ten-pound cleaver in a shoebox room ain't exactly the kind of sports event I care for, you know. Did that happen? Did that happen? One moment you're there, the next moment you're gone, and the following moment in comes Meanie Eenie or, or some demon that looks just like her and starts measuring me for pork chops. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know. Yeah, sure. Now get out of my bed. I'm very narrow, you see. I take so little room. Tough. Out. I'll let you sleep. I won't bother you. How do you expect me to sleep with you in bed with me? Perhaps you'll sleep all the better. Yeah, I'll bet. You'll never know till you try. Oh, come on. The bed's nice and warm, and oh. I'm nice and warm. Oh, Out. come on. Oh, that's right. Here, pull back the covers. That's right. Now, come on. Sleep here inside. No. Out you go. Oh, Jack, stop it. Jack! You little vampire! I didn't mean... Jack! Oh! Jack! Please, it's cold out here. I won't do anything wrong, I promise. Jack? Oh, I hope you croak in your sleep. Ready, ready. Same to you. <sighs> what next? Lord, I'm tired. What a first day. Well, I hope the second day is a little bit more peaceful. He won't wake up now. As Jack sleeps, he has a dream. He's climbing a mountain. Mists curl around in the valley below. The landscape is like something out of a Japanese painting. Strange-shaped hills and mountains rising straight up from the valleys. All around, echoing below, is a constant drone. As though the mist and air of the valleys and the mountain itself were vibrating to this one sound. He finds a narrow path, follows it. The path ends at the mouth of a cave. Coming from the cave is a dull, bluish-white light. He feels himself being drawn into the cave. As he goes further and further in, the colors reflecting off the walls are breathtaking. Then, there, at the end of the cave, sits a figure, almost a sculpture. So silent it sat there. Rays of six colors, indigo, golden, red, white, tawny, and dazzling, radiated from the seated figure. The indigo rays issued from his hair in the blue portions of his eyes. Jack could now see as though the walls no longer existed. The sky appeared as though bespeckled with calorium powder, or covered with flax and blue lotus flowers, or like a jeweled fan swaying to and fro or a piece of dark cloth fully spread out. The golden rays issued from his skin and the golden portions of his eyes, owing to them the different quarters of the globe, shining as though besprinkled with some golden liquid, or overlaid with sheets of gold, or strewn with saffron powder and bohemia flowers. The red rays radiated from his flesh and blood and the red portions of his eyes, Owing to them, the quarters of the globe were colored as though painted with red lead powder out of silver pots or overspread with a canopy of silver plates. The tawny and dazzling rays issued from the different parts of his body. Thus, the six colored rays came forth and caught the earth, 
the water, the air, the space beyond, and all the heavenly regions and millions of world systems were penetrated by his golden light. Hmm? What, what, what is that? Testing. Testing. Where is that coming from? Where on earth is that noise coming from? Good grief. It's coming from inside my head. What for Pedro show? That was cool. Yeah. Stay tuned. Uh, every week I'm playing a different part of this mind movie, The Fourth Tower of Inverness. Now, Kira, we're going to play another song from this uh, record you made in August. Right. Approximation, it's called. The band. Yeah. And the name of the album. Yep. And the name of this song is? Dwayne Street. Okay, we've got some uh, young people here that dropped by. Were they asking, how is it to... Uh... To be 40. They just were asking what it's like to turn 40, and I turned 40 last year, and it's something else. It was a tough one. It was a tough age to turn. I don't know. You know, you think you're going to be somewhere when you're 40. You have this picture when you're younger where you're going to be, and of course, I'm not there, but I'm somewhere else. I am. I exist. 
You do exist. I do exist, and so do you. How old are you now, Mike? I'm 44. And Brother Matt? I got 39 for a couple more months. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so uh, time is a locomotive. <laughs> That's for sure. You cannot stop it. No point in trying. It pushes you onward. And Forward. upward. Well, not always upward. Okay, that's the, a, that's the, a myth. The trick is to maintain the vigor. Well, and you can certainly stay young at heart, and some people tend to regress as they get older. I don't know if you know. You notice, you know, they start acting more childlike, you know, reverting to their childhood. We're going to play something here from a lady who lives in Pedro, Frida. Yeah, Frida. We played on her. She's got a new record, and uh, we did a song. I played it on a couple shows back. And this is her covering um, one of my tunes I wrote with Joe Carducci. And Des is playing guitar. Yeah, now Dezzo's the guy who, uh, you know, sang for Black Flag and then made a band called DC3, and you were playing in DC3, right? About three weeks I was in DC3 uh, when I joined Black Flag. And then your brother took... Your place. The idea was that my brother would take my place. Uh, I wanted him to play bass keyboards and like still be a three-piece because DC3, it was supposed to be a three-piece. First album's that way. Uh, right, but Paul's no bass player. And they got Caesar. <laughs> That's what I, you know, he's not, he's a keyboard player. It's a difference. You know, he didn't, you know, you have to have a sense, a bass sense, if you will. And I, and I don't think Paul has that. Well, there's a lot of bass, bass on keyboard sense. now. Brother Matt was playing somewhere. Oh, I think you can do sense. it. You just have to think of yourself as a bass player when you're doing it and not, mm-hmm. you know, try to be, not try to be a melody instrument, which, you know, is my brother's tendency. Okay, so here's Frida. Cool. from Pedro show.
All right. Uh, Wad from Pedro Show. A little mix up there. Kerosene 454 with Stab Your Eyes. Uh, played with this band a long time ago. You know how kids give you the records. It's great. Play them on the Wat from Pedro Show. Before that, we had Frida with uh, Chinese Fire Drill. Uh, Kira, I want to thank you for coming. Well, thanks for having talking me. Talking with us, playing some music. Thanks, Welcome Matt. Glad to be uh, here. Really, absolutely. Practice this week, right? Yep. Dose. New record. Got to finish. Uh, DJ Talia had to work tonight. So a couple days ago, she did her spin session on the iBook at her pad. Cool. So we're going to play this now. First time we did a remote. Is it a remote? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we got a remote going. Pedro remote. Watt from Pedro. Love Grotto. Talia pad thing. Connect. So uh, here we go with uh, DJ Talia's session for today. Thank you. 
to a root. No superficial like sod. You might find it quite odd that someone of Asian heritage like me might be the one bringing you the light to see the difference between dopeness and whackness. Because when you hear some others, you'll feel that they like this. Absolute honest, complex to the simple. Consciousness will signal a mental revolution. Lyrical solutions, key culture value. So my punchlines are not for the shock value. Let the beat ride like some speakers on wheels. Rise for the engine, fill the road, tension up the deal. Reel up the ankle, many more. What we have in store, gonna give you more. Rhyme builders explore. Defcon, strong like Buron and a con. Peace to Kazi, visionaries live long. And prosper, we treat doctors with respect. Don't let ego infiltrate your intellect. We're gonna get ours, so you better get yours. It pours when it rains, and we'll never be the same. We're gonna get ours, so you better get yours. It pours when it rains, and we'll never be the same. Never stress, love, that's all I put in. No point to prove, unlike you switch plays. Rockin' Primavera, we the era. In between K and P is where I be. Where's the LRG? Our research group stays lifted. Knowledge without understanding is pointless. Shifted shapes, the joint is in reproduction. Reload on ADAT tapes and round trip ticks. Where there's a will, there's a way. Come on, visionaries here to display. Display, visionaries here to display. Where there's a will, there's a way. Give me, give me the microphone, don't send me, send me the right to low, don't give me the hit me like a stone thrower. I don't want to duck and dodge a barrage of inconsistent words wrapped together to make a sentence. In the instance of your incompetence, rhymes never flirted as a rope of vengeance. But never proved to be a victor, cause you never registered on the Richter. Spark the transmitter, I need a get electricity to transmit rapid transit to the underhand is quicker than the eye. My pattern is quicker than the air, my hat is just sicker than you feared like spears. Tears in before the smoke clears in the air. Driving in your own track.
I would fain pluck thence, but could not. Nay, but needs must suck at the great wound, and could not pluck my lips away till I had drawn all venom out. Ah, fearful pawn, for my omniscience paid I toll in infinite remorse of soul. Thank you, DJ Talia. Okay, I'm going to play this for Kira. Nobody said you ever looked that 
Watt from Pedro show. In stereo. Uh, that was some Sly. Just like a baby from There's a Riot going on. Great record. I listened to this as a kid. It was intense. Like, like the way Indians live. <laughs> Campers. Uh, before that, Meat Puppets of Meat Puppets 2. Lost. And uh, Kira's on the freeway now. Hopefully she's not lost. <laughs> and head north. Yeah, it's cool having her down. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Good spiels. Very good spirit. And uh, we started with a band uh, CD that she brought called Mates Estate. That's her favorite record of the moment, she said. And a song called Love. L-A apostrophe H-U-V. So I guess it's a lot of. She sure did stoke those two girls. Oh, yeah. A nice, a nice little... Uh, Inspirational yeah, yeah, talk. Yeah, cool. Now they want to... Uh, Explore the world. Yeah, one time she had been uh, in the school, and she lives in the neighborhood. So, uh, yeah, cool little pit stop. Stoked to catch a little of the show. New yeah. fans. <laughs> yeah, so this is a trippy show for us. We're at night here. It's a Monday night, and that's why you don't hear all the Harleys. We usually do this on Saturday afternoon, mm-hmm. so it's a little quieter. But had some folks. By. Yeah, start with a little sunset session. Yep. Good. <laughs> and then proceed into dark. <laughs> yeah, the grapevine was closed today. Snow. Wow. Can't believe it. Wow. Man, it's been howling. March 18, snow. But don't get uh, this far down. Uh, I think Taeyeon passed 14, no, 41, 40 or something. Uh, I think it's about just over 41,000 feet up. So. I think the snow went down to 3,000 this morning in all the mountains. Yeah, yeah, it looked pretty frosty out there. Yeah, and windy, tell you. The pedal is intense. Yeah, it blew plastic shields off the balcony here. Oh, damn. You know, yesterday, I chat with my mom Sundays. I did my pedal. I came back to pad, and my uh, Europe... Guy who books my gigs there, Dutch dude Carlos, he calls up now. I've told him about Pedro for 17 years. So he's in town because this all tomorrow parties thing. So he comes down and I pedal the route again. But I had cool. to. Cool, give him the tour, huh? Now he's a Dutchman, so they call uh, bikes uh, Feetzers. And they're all into the Feetzers. Ching, ching. Not many hills, though. <laughs> Royal Palms was kind of cardiac for him, but he did it. He did great. He ate at Walker's Cafe. Cool. Bunch of Hessian biker cats uh. pull up. Oh, what are those, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> said, Carlos, you wouldn't understand. You know, they got the SS <laughs> written on the tanks and this kind of thing. And mm. Holland was overrun by Nazis. <laughs> said, over here, it's a little more um, detached. <laughs> Same reality. Anyway, he's a great guy. I saw a lot of old friends at this uh these gigs over the weekend. It was neat. It was scary. God, especially last night, but sometimes you just gotta face the fear. 
Like every time I get on stage. So not many gigs for what? Till tour, April 15th. I gotta get ready. And, um, I don't know. Um, we'll be back next week. Another, uh, install, <laughs> installation <laughs> segment of the ever-continuing saga of the Watt from Pedro show, Wild Kingdom Radio, live from the Love Grotto on Pleasure Point in San Pedro, Cali. Everybody. Keep uh, your powder dry. Keep your powder dry. <laughs> Thank you, brother.